0: Amen. Have we got your Bibles? Amen. The Word. It's always good to carry our our swords, um, so that we're not just listening to something I'm saying, but we're seeing it in the Word. Amen. Well, I'm excited about the times that we're living in. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what God's wanting to do in and through us as 24-7 church, and what He wants to do in His body. Um, We live in these times where um, I think maybe in a lot of cases we're coming to the end of ourselves, praise God. Amen. I don't know how you're doing, how you're handling all the stuff that's going on and things that are thrown at you in weird circumstances and and sicknesses and all kinds of things that just are happening and, um, and yet the people of God are not supposed to shrink back. They're supposed to just go, no problem. Um, and there's only one way you can do that, church, and that's actually you have to believe the word and you have to live the word and you have to become the word. Amen. So that's what we're after. We're after living and becoming the word of God. I believe that 24-7 is in a transition a phase. I believe that God's wanting to establish and build, and um, I believe um, because uh, um, Jane and I, um, as leading the church, we um, you have an apostle and a prophet. So we go back to looking at the foundations of the church. That's what our responsibility is. So what we've done is go back to the foundations of 24/7, have a look, found some things missing, we're establishing them again. Amen. And. Um, I just believe God's doing two things at the same time. He's doing something here as a spiritual body, and he's also doing something down the road on our piece of land. Um, Because he's busy grading there, and he's gonna be digging foundations, and establishing and rebuilding again, uh, something that's lasting, that's full of eternity, amen? So in every single one of our hearts, it's to um, say, okay, Lord, search me, know me, check my foundations, reestablish, reset up. There's a picture God gave me, about two weeks ago, uh, and one, it was a picture of a waterfall, and it was a picture of a fountain, and I felt like the Lord say, um, the church has become like a waterfall, it's a place where you go to, to get refreshed, and to get wet, oh, and it's very nice, but then you go out into the world, and it's hot, and it's dry out there, and the conditions are not so nice, and you get all dry again, and then you go back on a Sunday to the church where you can stand under the waterfall and get refreshed and get wet and cooled and it's all lovely and then you kind of go out into the world and you get dry. And he said, I, was, I never called the church to be a waterfall. I called them to be a fountain. Rivers of living water, that would spring forth from within that you get refreshed all the time, seven days a week. So when you come together as the church, it's one heck of a fountain. Amen? But during the week, I'm not getting dry, I'm a fountain, I'm constantly flowing, amen? So I've gotta go back to the word and say, okay, if God said all of these things, then surely he meant it, amen? I think it's time for the church to get the big boy pants on and to get real, and to decide, do we tear some of these pages out? Do we believe the word? Because either it's real and it's true or it's not, but let's go big or go home, amen? So I decided to go big, and if God wants to send me home, that's fine as well. <laughs> so there's just a couple of things that I just I'm, have stirring in my heart, which I hope I can plant today and just stir us up, and then um, kind of see if we can unfold this thing in, in what God's doing. Because as we journey over the next little while, um, everything that I, I, I want to encourage you, everything that you thought was solid or that you thought was that you know, allow God to shake it, allow God to speak into it, allow God to just establish truth. So it's, is this truth, Lord, and let let him shake it. You know, the mere fact of a building, by the way, just let him shake that because I believe in a place of worship. I believe if you come and I believe in all of that, but I wanna just shake anything that's not real. Like just putting the chairs like this can shake something. Hold on, no, I prefer sitting in the seventh row. I don't really like the front row. I don't like people looking at me and, you know, you pass the basket around, people are looking at you, whatever. Well, are you giving for because of what they're looking at or are you giving to him? Are you worshiping because of Damien or are you worshiping because of God because Damien's really close now and I'm trying to worship and he's looking at me, <laughs> amen? So worship wasn't very good because of Damien come on, these things get established and entrenched in things like buildings and they have to be broken so we can live life together, so we can do this thing together. It's great for us to come together. But we make sure that our coming together because of the thing that we've come together in because remember the church is us, amen? So as Connor said, it's, it's, it's a scary thought, but if you take away the building and you take away the pulpit and you take away the band, do we still have a church? According to the Bible, Yes. According to the people of God, maybe not. Maybe I need to go to another place that's got a building. Just being real, just being honest, just being biblical, amen. We were bonded together because of Holy Spirit and He brought us together as a family, amen. And it actually doesn't matter where we meet. I love meeting in a nice place, I love a carpet actually. Concrete floors are a little colder. I love having musicians that are talented and blessed, like we do have, so that we can worship. But none of that equals church. Church is you and me together, one family, uh, just loving one another, there for one another, fighting together with one another, um, just being who God called us to be. And that's kind of what I want to launch off today and then see how it goes. I want us to be who God's called us to be. And he's called us to be basically like Jesus. He's called us to live and operate like Jesus in this earth. That's all he's really called us to be. That's our calling. That's our purpose. That's the plan of God. And so it stirs my heart. I go, okay, then that must be possible, right? Some of you might be sitting here going, wee, wee, that's it. Huh? Ooh, I don't know how we can do that. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it but I think that's what he's called us to. You know, my favorite scripture, my mom will tell you when I was born again, 11, 12 years old, God gave me this scripture. It's Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's how God, he's talking about the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy because God was with them. My desire in my heart is that we be a group of people, when people look at us, they go, man, God is with them. And we're a group of people that have been anointed, a Holy Spirit and power. And there's two things that we do. If you come into our sphere, we do good and we heal all who are oppressed of the enemy. How many know that an enemy is really oppressing? It's really oppressing a lot of people and we just go about doing good. Because how many know if you really, really study the Bible and you really find out really this deep radical truth is that God is good. And he, we are called to be like Him and we're just called to go around doing good, being good. And when we see the oppression of the enemy, we come in and we deliver of the oppression of the enemy. Because Moses is crying out saying, show me your glory. I want your glory, Lord. Woo, show me it to And He says, let me let my goodness. It's the glory of the Lord, is the goodness of God. He just wants us to glory. See, the Bible says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. So then you think about, okay, I'm leaving this for you for next week, but I just want to share this one little point. <laughs> Actually, this this kind of shared with me, so, but it just came to mind. So I'll just I'll just do a little quick thing on this. When you look at a seed, and I, wa- I want to teach on Colossians, but I hopefully I can get to teach on Ephesians today just a little bit. But when you look at this little seed, it's like, see, it's inside of us is this is this hope of Glory. So the seed has to die, so that that hope can come forth and bring forth glory. See the the tree is the glory. This beautiful tree, the radiant glory of God, and the seed has got inside. So Colossians would say it like this. I'm just trying to use analogy, and I'm just going to say like the word says it. It says. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in us, but the seed must die so that Christ in us can germinate. Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. So unless there's a dying, it remains alone. So I can come to church and he's a waterfall and he can come and he can fall on me, but I'm remaining alone. When I've come a fountain... I die, Jesus now comes alive in me and he now enables me along with all others to be fountains to create this amazing tree of his glory. We're called to display the glory of the Lord. It's this beautiful picture that God's trying to get us to understand and we go, okay, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked that question because it's amazing and it's a very good question. You guys are so stirring up me to share this with you. Okay, so I'm gonna share with you. So I'm gonna try and do this quite quickly and then we'll pull it all together and unfold it over the next little while. But let's just quickly look at it. If you went to Ephesians and you went straight away in the early part of Ephesians, it says, blessed be the God and Father, this is verse three, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places." Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing blessing in heavenly places. So that's actually a past tense. If you study that in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Afrikaans, the English, the um, whatever version, whatever country, whatever language you want, it's in the past tense. He has done this for us. He has given us every spiritual blessing. There's a a truth in here that what Christ has done is He's paid a price for something. You gotta catch this. Then he goes on now, in the same context now, he wants to explain to us something of an analogy, something of an understanding that would help us get a revelation of how the kingdom of heaven works. Because how many of you know that the the, the realm of of this earth, the earthly realm and the realm of the kingdom are different realms and they operate in different laws? Right? I had the incredible privilege of driving around South Africa and getting, uh, going through roadblocks and they would say, how are you doing? Everything, your no, car looks good, all great. Then I had the privilege of driving across the border into Zimbabwe. And when you go into Zimbabwe and you hit a roadblock and they have a look at your car, there are different laws and requirements. In Zimbabwe, you have to have two triangles, not one, two triangles. In Zimbabwe, you have to have a reflective vest. In Zimbabwe, you have to have a fire extinguisher. So I can drive around all I want into Zimbabwe and say, no, but you know what? I'm applying the laws of South Africa. And they go, well, this is not South Africa. This is Zimbabwe. So come and let me bless you with a fine. <laughs> because they're different laws and they can't, you, you, you can't cross over into another country and think you can operate in the same way, Right? Unfortunately, the people of God get born again, they think the kingdom of God is operating on the same principles that they operated in the natural realm, and they don't operate like that. So we have to understand, we have to have a renewed mind to understand how the kingdom of God operates, right? And then operate accordingly so that we can access all that God has for us, because He's done something already. That's how He starts with Ephesians. I've done something already, and I'm going to explain to you how you're going to access it. Amen. So in the natural realm, need pulls resources. In the natural realm. What pulls resources in the spiritual realm? Not need. Faith. Bible. <coughs> student. Faith pulls. <laughs> Faith is what pulls, friends. So It's, uh, it's, it's. it's How deep? How deep can we go? How low can you go? Luke eighteen. How deep is your love? (laughs) It's a good song. (laughs) Luke eighteen is a story about a widow who's persistent with the judge. I need, you know, I need you to come. Give me justice. And, and um, the judge eventually, is an unjust judge, and the judge eventually goes, oh, because of your persistency, I'm just gonna do it. And God says, will I not do, bring justice for my own children? He says, and I, and I, uh, and I will bring it, and I'll bring it speedily uh, for them. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful. You, everyone knows, Luke 18. Okay, that's, you can go read it. At the end, the last, after that little story, the next line, it says this, nevertheless, nevertheless, will I find faith in the earth when I return you see the children of all of children of all the children of Israel can cry out the children of God can cry out in their persistency and their cry to God and God says I will respond I will bring justice that you're my kids but nevertheless will I find faith See, there's something else here that God's trying to get us to understand, that we access by faith. So are you ready to know what that is? Okay, Ephesians. Let's just read quickly. Look at this. Reading down. It says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that can be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, either that's the truth or it's not the truth, but let's just hear that again, that Christ, that God the Father, through his awesome power, he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, above every single name. Are you reading It's the Bible? And it says, and he put all things underneath his feet and gave him his head, over all things to the church. So he gave him as head over all things to the church. He's now seated in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power. His name is above every single other name. And then he says something very interesting. So Christ, so God's power, wrought a victory, that caused Christ to be raised from the dead and now in that victory, in that all conquering victory where he now was made above everything else and seated at his right hand, he now says, by grace you and I have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, we read that and we just go, oh, that's really cool. That's nice. It's even so radical and you can say, oh, I'm sitting in two places at once. I'm sitting here this morning. I'm also sitting in heaven, blah, blah, blah. There's some rea- re- reality here that we've got to catch. See, Christ, God the Father wrought an incredible victory. Christ paid an incredible pass, price of power that he would lay down his life, that he would be obedient and to the point of death. And because of all that he did, God the Father raises him up and seats him at his right hand in heavenly places above all rule and authority and power, every single name he gives him over everything. Jesus, now you are now seated in this incredible place of honor. And then he comes along and he says, if you give your life to Christ, then I will take you and I will put you in the same seat. So when you talk about Christianity, Christianity doesn't start with a walk. Christianity starts with a seat. It starts with sitting, church. And in this place here, Christ wrought an incredible victory and paid a price and did, and operated in this place, it's by grace. See, in this picture, it's a picture throughout the Bible. In the very beginning, God worked. For six days, He worked. And on the sixth day, He created man. And then on the seventh day, God rested. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Man was created on the sixth day. What was man's first day? The seventh day, rest. It starts with rest. Why does it start with rest? It starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He's done. It starts with the conviction of our heart of understanding that this is not about us doing it's about something that's been done. You cannot move into walking if you have not been able to sit. If you're a little baby, sometimes little babies, they don't crawl, they can walk straight away, but every single baby sits first. You have to learn and understand in the Bible what it means to sit, what it means to be seated in Christ. Once you learn what it means to be seated in Christ, that's what he's trying to say here. He's trying to say that Jesus has done it all. It's past tense, blessed are you. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is yours. First of all, come to a reality. You cannot walk if you don't understand how to sit and be seated. And what is to sit, friends? When we walk, there's energy, you get exhausted, you get tired walking, because you have to carry the weight, right? What happens when you sit? When you sit, then all the weight is carried by something outside of you. And you just relax, oh, so nice. Oh, I need to relax, getting excited. Um, That's literally what it means to be seated, is to relax, is to let something else carry the weight. Who? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest, learn from me, because I'm what, lowly of heart, see this is a position here first and foremost, where the seed has to die, so that Christ in us, who is the hope of glory, you and I are not the hope of glory. Honestly, if you think you are, just have a look at your track record, not very good. So God's wanting to take us, our eyes off our track record, put our eyes on His track record. He wants our life no longer to be about us, but to be about Him. He wants us no longer to be looking and seeing what I have done, but to be looking at what He has done. He wants you now to be seated in Christ, in heavenly places. From now on, it's not about me, it's about Him. It's about His life, it's about me acknowledging who He is in my life, right? He doesn't want us to get introspective and start to look self, if you begin to look at self, friends, you begin to disconnect yourself away from the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross, friends, is where God wants us to start from, right? So we rest in Him. We sit on a seat. We rest in Him. We're resting because now He takes the load. He says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because He's carrying it. See, is there any load that's kind of, oh, geez, that's quite a heavy load for you to carry. Pfft. He's God. God is that good, friends. I don't know if any of you have ever read in the, the story of the prodigal son, which never gets talked about, but which everybody thinks about. And God just wants you just to remind you here, yeah, when you listen to that story whatever, who thinks after that story, gee, the guy wasted half of his father's inheritance. I wonder how much was left. Half of inheritance gone. What's, it's not in the story. Why is it not in the story? Because he's a father and he's good. And it's pocket change for whatever the son had because it, he's, he never stops wanting to lavish and to give. You see, if you can understand, if you can catch in the Bible, what God was trying to portray is I'm good. Actually, I wanna give to you and I wanna do for you for the rest of your life. That's what I wanna do. Oh, well, but what, where's the catch? What must I do? What's the philosophy of the world? There's a catch. See, the kingdom of God and, the, and, and this world are different. They're, they're totally d- different in the understanding. The, all God wants to do is demonstrate how good He is and He wants to just operate and, and give us and lavish us. He wants to say, I want to give to you. I wanna bless you, I wanna do for you. Stop doing, stop giving. Just sit here and let me do something for you. And let me give you a reality of who I am, I'm good. And when I'm good, then flow from that the goodness of God. I'm jumping way out of context here, but if you if you take what Connor was, wherever he is, Connor, come forth. <laughs> <laughs> so he came forth. Oh, he came first, not fourth. Okay. If you look at, um, should I just quickly go there? In John chapter sixteen. Sorry, this is a side trail, but it is such a lovely side trail. In John sixteen. See, I'm not going to get far in, in Ephesians anyway. John sixteen. Let's just. It's beautiful. If you, if you have a look, oh, there's so much in this. But in, 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 in John 16, it says, uh, verse. we can go to verse 23 in my Bible, I think. My eyes are. In that day, in that day, you will ask. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. What's happening now? You're asking nothing in my name. Now, there's something that's happening now that's different. But in the future, you're gonna ask in my name and I'm gonna give it to you that your joy may be full. You see, joy is a heavenly commodity. Joy is the fruit of Holy Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the kingdom of God and the Spirit of God. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all part of the fruit of Holy Spirit. Spirit of God inside of me brings such joy. God now connects this incredible commodity which is the commodity, the heavenly commodity of joy, which was for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You've gotta understand there's something really precious and powerful about this, that it would cause Jesus to endure uh, the cross and all its suffering. For the joy set before him, there's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding here which I don't have time to get into this morning, but God then connects all of this. And he comes down and he says, right now, you're asking nothing in my name, but there's coming a time when, if, Whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to answer and do that. I'm gonna give you the answers to your prayers that your joy may be full. There's a joy connected with answered prayer. There's a joy here that God's trying to connect and say I'm making a pathway from the joy of heaven to your possession through answered prayer. And answered prayer, friends, comes through a connection with the name of Jesus. It's not just a name anymore. It's not just His earthly name that He was given here. Something changes, friends. You didn't ask me anything in my name before, now you will. There's a transaction that's changed and happened here that we've gotta catch as the people of God. Because Christ, when He conquered and when He rose again, He was seated in heavenly places. His name now is still Jesus, but something has changed. There's now an authority and a power that's now attached to that name. And he says, I give you the privilege to come and be seated in me, and now have the same privilege and the same authority and power to use my name. So this is not a tag on to a prayer. Lord, I just want you to give me that Ferrari in Jesus' name. (laughs) Friends, this is a reality and a revelation An understanding of what changed and what has happened in our lives. The name of Jesus. In John 14, 15, and 16, see how many times he says now, you ask in my name. It's an amazing thing, friends. We don't understand the power of a name. See, in those days, they understood it. You see, when they... When, in, in the gate beautiful, when, when and, uh, Peter and John, they they, um, they just they saw the lame man who'd been there all along, but God just decided, okay, time, love to rest in the timings of God. Jesus walked past that man all the time. Timings of God said, look at us, such as I have, I don't have silver and gold, such as I have, give I unto you in the name of Jesus. How dare they suddenly use the name of Jesus? See, they caught an understanding what They were doing, they knew now the understanding of what had shifted and what had changed the authority and the power. And so, they just said, In the name of Jesus, and the guy gets healed. And what happens? The religious minds get all upset because, How dare you, somebody get healed by the power of God? That's what's going to happen in the last days. The religious mindsets in the church are not going to be happy that the church is getting healed and set free and delivered. They're going to be, How dare you, you are not part of this, or why are you supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that? Try and squash. What Jesus is trying to do in liberty and freedom because it's not about us. Religion, friends, and busyness will stop you from realizing what, God, what Christ actually did on the cross. So what happens here now is they get captured. Let's call it captured. The gods come and they grab them and they take them off and they put them before Caiaphas and, and uh, the high priests and all the big shots and what have you. And, uh, and they say, by what power and by what Name, did you do this miracle? There's something in the power of a name now that's changed because they understood the power of a name. Do we understand the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus? Do we understand why we have authority and power in the name of Jesus? Because we're seated in Christ, in heavenly places, far above, all authority, all power, above every single other name. They have to bow to the name of Jesus. One day, they will all bow before Jesus. But we have the incredible gift right now to be able to, Use the name of Jesus and cause the powers that be to bow. It's not just a name. So what we've got to do is, and that's probably as far as I'm going, is um, we have to look, when we look at Ephesians, we have to first look, if you can turn to Hebrews chapter 1, we have to first have a quick, quick look at Hebrews chapter 1. It says in verse 1, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in his last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So, what he's saying is that he spoke via the prophets in the old days, but now he has spoken through his son. So when we make all these cliched statements, when we say it's all about Jesus, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about now, he is now our, the word. He is now our, our answer. He's now the one that we're looking to. We, we, in the past, he spoke through the prophets in the old, but now he's speaking through Jesus. He is now the one that we are our example. He's our everything. He's who we're looking to, to establish in our lives, right? So carry on reading there, I'll, I'll carry on whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Now you see, if you don't understand what I've just been sharing with you, this is just all great, because this is all about Jesus, right? But how about if everything that's all about Jesus is also about you and I because we found in Christ? See, if you understand this, you'll understand the authority. So you have to understand this to understand authority. That's why before we go to Colossians, because Colossians just reams off all about who Jesus is, and it's just all so awesome. And you can get all, "Wow, Jesus, look at him; he's so amazing." But if I understand that I'm seated in Christ, let me use an analogy. That's me. Put me in Christ. how I many you know whatever happens to this bible happens to me right so i died in christ before the foundations of the world ooh i can go deep now let me explain it to you like this he's outside of time he created time and he broke into time to do what he needed to do and now he's back outside of time You and I are not, we are not uncreated or not created, we are created, but we are created and broken to time. And we will finish in time and we'll be outside of time. So whatever happens to Christ, happens to me. So when Jesus went to the cross, the whole point of this analogy and understanding is he had to go to the cross and die for our sins, but he had to die so that I could die because I was in Christ by his death. See, it's all in the Bible, and I'm looking at some blank faces going, "Huh?" that's exactly the Bible. We died in Christ. How many know he died 2,000 years before us? We even pitched on this earth. So, wh- what do we, phantoms? We died in Christ, because, if we can understand the concept of time is a piece of paper in eternity. It's like if I, to the best analogy I could do today is if I took a rope, and I rolled the rope from the front all the way to the back, and I took a piece of, of red electrical tape, and I just taped the first piece of the rope, then I could tell you, okay, that's eternity, that's time. So Christ, who is eternity, came into the red piece. He broke in to do what he needed to do. That's why the Bible can say, he was slain before the foundations of the world. He's outside of time, he broke into time, he's back out again now. We are created, so we weren't outside of time, broke into time, we weren't anywhere until He breathed and created us. But we, when He breathed and He created us in time, I was already inside of Him. I lived my life, now when I come outside of time, I'm in Him. So, if you can catch the understanding of what Jesus is trying to say here, what He's trying to do, the declaration He's trying to make, that everything that happened to Christ happens to me. Wherever I am, I've got lost somewhere. There I am, woohoo! <laughs> I was lost in Hebrews actually. <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to say is that my life story now, when I came to Christ, isn't what happened to me. It's His life story. I'm in Him. Oh, if you can catch this, please, Jesus. It, so now when I look at my life and I stand before God, He sees Jesus. So I have to die so that I can live for Him, so I can live His life, which Christ in me. Now I'm beginning to operate with Christ inside of me. This, this now breaks open, oh, do you carry on reading Hebrews, or do I stop? Uh, because listen, His son whom He appointed the heir of all things. I'm inside of Christ and He's the heir of all things. So what am I? Through whom also He created the world. He created the world. The person that I'm sitting, I'm seated in with created the whole world. And I'm seated, he's got me. Whew. Whew. So somebody comes along. Let me use an example. Somebody comes along into my life and goes, Oh Grant, you you're idiot. You know, you, you you preach too long. You, you know, you, you pop veins, calm down, just take a seat, take a chill pill. And I go. <coughs> Thank you for that beautiful advice, and uh, you're so helpful, and you know, you're such a precious sister of God, and I love you, I'm just using you, sorry Jen, since I'm looking there. Such a precious sister of God. See, the best I can do is probably give a compliment back, but you know what the truth is? The truth is when I walk away, I am seriously offended. I've been hurt. The best I can do is I bit my lip, I breathed twice, (coughs) gave a cough, okay, not gonna hit her, no, not gonna do anything. (laughs) And I just smiled, I gave a beautiful smile and I gave a beautiful compliment back and okay, but now I'm still hurt. See that's the old wineskin, the old way. That's why Jesus could say, you know what? Let me ask you a question. Say, the Bible says, thou must not do this. But now I say, and he just raises the bar. You go, is he confused? He set the law and none of us could achieve the law. That was the point. And now he's saying, no, no, that's, that's this. Let me raise the standard. If you even think it, woo, you've done it. I'm like, oh, that just crushed me. That's just terrible. What, he's trying, what is he trying to say? Because the end of that chapter, cha- Matthew chapter five, the end of it, it says, be perfect because I'm perfect. Oh, that's it. Thanks very much. Thanks for playing. I'm out of here. No, you see, what has he got a confidence in here, Jesus? This is not about you. He has a confidence in who? Himself. He's trying to tell us something. Yes, some people do that. It's a good analogy. They'll say, well, the end of the day is he was talking about the law and that, you know, it's because we couldn't achieve it and what have you in him, and he just raised the bar even higher to make sure we understood that this is a really high bar. And none of us can make it. I'm not so certain because of the context and when I've studied it. For me, it's that he was more like saying, actually, you guys can be perfect because it's about me. So, so how about I do this? How about I go to the Lord and I say to the Lord, you know what? I really can't, I can't forgive Jen. I can't, I, I, she's offended me and I'm hurt. I can't do it. But you know what, Jesus? You can. So I'm not going to try, I'm just gonna let you do it. Now I can go to Jen with a smile. And I go, how's it Jen? I'm not offended. Because it's not me doing it, it's Jesus. He's now my everything, he's my all. I'm not trying to achieve something. Let me ask you this simple question. What happened in the garden of Eden before the fall? They went to the tree of life and they ate from the tree of life. They did not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the devil comes along and says to them, hold on a minute, you need to eat from this tree. This is an exciting tree here. Something's gonna happen. He's never changed his deceit uh, since then, friends. It's the same deceit. He said to them, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. How many know that they already were like God? How many know that his strategies remain the same all the time? His strategy is wanting to tell us that we need to go somewhere to get something. <coughs> got a cough, Ooh, I'm sick, I need to go to the island of healing. The minute he thinks or can get us to think that we need to go somewhere to get it, friends, he's won. See, the way he can steal, says we've got everything, the way he steals it is by telling us we don't have it. So now he says, go there. So that's what happens. So now I'm sick. <laughs> no, I need to go get my healing. So, so now I need to go to get my healing. And as I go to get my healing, what he does is he says, listen, you're not obedient enough. You haven't read the word enough. You don't have enough faith. So he just gets me, he's got me now. When my responsibility is like Adam and Eve should have done back then, but my responsibility now is to know that who, whose I am right now and what I do have right now, healing is mine. He's trying to steal it, it's mine. So now when I declare and speak to him, I speak to him that I am healed. Not that I need healing, I am healed. So you can come with all your symptoms. I'm not gonna listen to what you got. I I am in healing. See, so what happens here is he says, no, no, you need to eat of this tree. Then you're gonna be like God. Already was like God, but he got them to think they needed to go from this place to that place to get something when they already had it. Blessed be the... God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us everything already. So now they think they've got to get something. So they go and they get there and they eat of that tree. Then what happens, friends? From then on, everything becomes about right and wrong. See, then we get saved. Oh, this is so deep. And then we get saved, friends, into the righteousness of God. And it's still all about right and wrong. So you know what? I have a right to be offended. Because she was wrong. She tuned me. How dare she tune me? And I do not preach long. <laughs> so Lord, I have a right. And Jesus says, if somebody comes and slaps you on the cheek, yes, that's wrong. It's wrong, it's really wrong. He says, Well, turn the other cheek. No, I <laughs> No, no. That's not right. See, we're not meant to go back to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong. We're meant to go back to eat of the tree of life. Friends, our standard isn't the tree of right and wrong, our standard is the cross. It's Jesus. See, what would Jesus do? I'm representing Jesus. I'm already forgiven, now I can forgive others. What did Christ do for me? Now I can be that to someone else. So Jen comes to me and she goes, oh, you did this, that and the other and I'm just loving her. I'm going, you know what? You're such an amazing, wonderful woman of God. I just wanna bless you. And she's going, no, but you, you know what? You just do this, that and the other. She's so amazing. It's just, you just, end of the day, she's like, I can't get through to this guy. Either he's really doff or he just, he does. And, and she just starts receiving the love of God. See, because you can't hurt love. See, that, that's, that's the picture here. We it's Christ. He is love. It's not about right and wrong anymore. It's about Him. It's about the finished work of the cross. It's about us doing what? Going about doing good. No, no, we only do good to those who do us right or wrong. Now, I'm not eating from that tree anymore. I'm just eating from the tree of life, I'm eating from Jesus. And as I'm partaking of that, it's about Him, amen? It's about just being, it's about resting in Christ and being seated in Christ. Once you're seated in Christ and resting in Christ, then eight times after that, He says, walk. And then, because I don't have time this week, but I will tell you, and then He says, stand. Have you noticed that none of those are really very effort, vein-popping expressions? There's something here about us resting in Christ. There's something about us understanding who we are in God and beginning to understand that authority and that power where it's not about us anymore. Imagine if my words keep, I mean, I haven't even to get to it, but in terms of walking, if you go and study there constantly throughout the Bible, we'll do it another time, is that you'll see there he's talking about the power that's working within you. So you see, first and foremost, I mean, if you, okay, let let, let me just carry on reading Hebrews. Let me carry on reading Hebrews. He is spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. Oh, just don't get sidetracked. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Oh, we could dwell on that for hours and hours and hours. He just said something here. He said, after making purification for their sins, so Jesus takes care, forgiveness of our sins, then he sits down at the right hand of his majesty on on high, having become much superior to the angels. Now remember, Jesus was superior to the angels. He's God, right? Then he comes down as man, the son of man on the earth, Jesus Christ, earthly name. And now, he is raised, seated at the right hand of God, and is now saying he's much superior than the angels. Who, who's he talking about now? He he was superior than the angels, and he came down, and now he's much superior as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. There's a name that Jesus has inherited that's more excellent. Who that's now seated. And we get to carry that name. And when you get to carry that name, when people look at you, guess what? When they look at you and they see you carrying that name, they say, "How God has anointed Beth by the Holy Spirit and with power. And she's going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the enemy because God is with her. And it's not just Beth, and it's Maureen, and then it's not just one or two people, it's a whole community of believers. Now, when they look at that, they go, you know what that looks like? It looks like a Christian. In the early church, when they were first called Christians because they were walking, talking, living like Jesus. See, isn't that, you kind of go, oh, there's a lot of revelation here that we may be missing, that if we can understand that we begin to operate in this power that we have, in the authority that we have, it's not for us because it's about him and they can only be expressed if we have died and he's now living in our lives. Amen. And then when he begins to live in our lives, now we have this incredible revelation or understanding, which happened in the Old Testament way back with David. 1 Samuel 17, go read it, it's the story of David and Goliath, David and Goliath, Goliath's coming out there, rah, 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 whatever, David says, okay, I'm going to do it, Saul says to him, you know what, you need to put on all this, he puts it all on, he's like, I haven't, this hasn't been tried, I don't think I can actually even do anything, so he says, no, I don't want that, I want to use what God's given me, and, and then he says, okay, now I'm going to go out before him, and then Goliath comes out there, oh, you're a silly little monkey, what are you doing, you're just a wally, what? how dare you come out here, well, you think I'm just a dog? You want to come out here whatever? And David says, yeah, you can come to me with all your spears and your javelins and your swords. Come and defy God. But he says, I'm going to chop your head off now because the battle is the Lord's. Oh, he got a revelation, understanding. Don't touch the battle. It belongs to the Lord. See, now we come along into our revelation, our understanding and go, hold on, back off. Don't touch the battle. It's the Lord's. Oh, that takes a lot of stress and strain off. Kind of go, that's really brilliant. So where am I supposed to stay in him? Stay releasing him. Stay in his authority. Stay in his power. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you right now. That's in everything. I could be tempted now to go and say, don't touch what's the Lord's. Sounds like the tithe. No, but I've got to sort it out. I've got to put on my own armor. You don't know, I've got all these expenses. I've got to deal with this and that, whatever. I've got to pay this account. I've got to do this, whatever. Yeah, well, use your own armor. It's not tested. See, don't touch what's his. God says the battle is the Lord's. Don't, you don't have to go into it. So when, it, when when this when this thing ends, and we'll go into deeper, so don't worry. When, when in Ephesians, when it ends, in Ephesians chapter six, it says, having done all to... Stand, stand. What's the standing position? How many know if you look at all the armor? All the armor is actually a defensive, the defensive weapons. Do you know that? No, not offensive weapons. You know why? Because Jesus did all the the offensive stuff and won the battle for us and now he's given us everything and we just got to stand our ground. So I use my shield of faith, what? To quench the fiery darts of the enemy because the fiery darts want to come down and want to tell me that I don't have it. I stand my ground and I say, listen, you're not taking anything away from me, buddy. This is mine. I'm not standing in my own authority, I'm standing in the armor of. See, if we can catch all this revelation, we'll catch the understanding that what God has done for us is so powerful, it's so wonderful. I didn't even get to it, but the the revelation, friends, that we want to understand here is Hebrews 1 t- tells us that it's Jesus paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins, right? If you go back to Ephesians, and you have a look in the beginning of Ephesians, you will see that he paid a price, not just there, verse se- one, um, chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. By his grace, he forgave us our sins, right? I'm landing, I promise. I can see the, br- the brain is kind of full now, so that's that's good. But I'll just read you another quick scripture. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this. Chapter two, verse thirty-two. This Jesus, God raised up. It's now Peter sharing, sharing as the Holy Spirit's fallen. Of that, we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter's explaining, and he says, Jesus was exalted, and He received the promise of the Holy Spirit, and now He has poured out the Holy Spirit. So. How how much did you do to deserve or earn the Holy Spirit? So we didn't deserve or earn our forgiveness of sins. We didn't deserve or earn the Holy Spirit, right? Then Colossians, which if you go to Colossians and we can study all that, 2 verse 6, it says, as you received, so walk you in him. You received it by grace, now you walk in it. Galatians chapter 1 then tells you, it says, listen, there's only one gospel. Why are you guys now turning to another gospel? And Paul says there isn't, isn't another gospel. Galatians chapter three, who has bewitched you? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works or did you receive him by faith? So now that we're journeying in Christ, did we do this thing by works or do we do it by grace and by faith? So now when I'm seated in Christ, something inside of us wants us to do something and God is saying, just rest, you got this thing by grace, now walk by grace. This is not about you popping veins and doing a whole bunch of stuff and crying out. Nyeh. This is about you saying, at the end of the day, will I find faith? 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And how many know and understand this? And this, I'm I'm, I'm landing, I promise. With this whole understanding, friends, is that faith is not a cerebral thing. Faith is not a mental assent or intelligent decision. Faith is not a determination or a choice. The Bible tells me that with the heart man believes. Faith is a heart thing. It's not, that's why people can come to church and mentally assent to something that's not faith. Faith is a heart thing. So what is it? Faith, friends, is a believing. It's why He calls us believers. We are called to believe, that's what we're called to do. What should I do, Lord? Only believe. What must I do now? Oh, how do we do this thing? Believe. Believe what? Believe that you have died. And you're now hidden in Christ. It's no longer you that's living. It's Him that's living now. And when I'm in Him, it's no longer my uh, a journey and my walk all the way to there. It's His journey and His walk. It's now His story, not my story. I'm not gonna go back and analyze and have a look at my past and see where what happened because it's His story. It's about Him now, it's about His bloodline. I'm free, I'm in Him, the Holy Spirit is now inside of me. He brings joy. Because now my life is a freedom of joy in the Holy Spirit who's now empowering me to do what I need to do. And what I do need to do is stand up and begin to declare with authority and begin to operate in the power of the name of Jesus and not in any power that I have of my own. Amen. But this isn't a formula, friends. This isn't now, okay, we're gonna go now, we're gonna do a bunch of stuff. You can't just blase throw the name of Jesus around and think that you're just gonna get it somewhere if you don't have a revelation understanding of who he is. See, that's why we fast and pray, by the way. We fast and pray to get rid of this thing called unbelief. There the guy's got his epileptic son, he's flicking himself in the fire and doing a whole bunch of stuff, whatever, and that, and he comes to Jesus and says, listen, I've been to the disciples, they couldn't do this thing, and Jesus goes, casts out the thing, whatever, and then later on, he's talking to them, and they go, why couldn't we do it? And he says, oh, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. Yes, it was a huge, massive demon, and it only comes out with prayer and fasting because it's so strong, load of garbage. Every demon comes out, it's got nothing to do with that. Friends, what we was trying to say is if you look in that story, you'll see he's talking about unbelief. Unbelief comes out, friends. It's not that we fast and pray for something, we fast and pray for a lifestyle of access to God, of understanding of our access to God, of understanding of our authority, understanding who we are, understanding where we're seated. You see, when Jesus did that, that, he hadn't just fasted this one comes out by praying and fasting, oh, but Jesus, you haven't just fasted, how, how did that happen? No, you see, he had been praying and fasting, he, a lifestyle of prayer and fasting so that he had access to the understanding. He had a direct, direct line into the authority of heaven. Let me just say this, when Jesus died on the cross, friends, every single one of your breakthroughs, every single one of your victories was bought with a price and was put into a bank account with your name on it. When he died on the cross, friends, It's for you and I to access that bank account now by faith. But you've got to believe that you can access it by faith. See, and that's why you can only be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because your mind, friends, is not faith. But faith accessing that realm has to have revelation understanding. And so our mind, friends, we have to get a revelation understanding of What I'm just sharing now. See, I'm sharing it out and it's coming through your mind gate. You're sharing the word, which is building faith and you're getting a revelation understanding of, oh, now I understand. Okay, that's how it works. So now I mustn't be sitting there in my prayer closet going, dear Lord, help me. I just don't know why. I just keep falling short. I wanna actually forgive that person. I wanna actually be kind to them. I wanna do what's right, but I just can't seem to be doing right. And Help me, give me the strength. Give me the power so that I can do right. Now I wanna come before the Lord and say, yes, I can't do it. Actually, I can do none of that. That's just, so thank God that I have died. And thank you that you're inside of me, Jesus. So I thank you, I'm not gonna even ask or rely on that, but I thank you that you are gonna do it in and through me. Because this is who I am now. Because my my present reality, friends, is that I'm a new creature in Christ. That's my present reality, not my future reality, my present reality. I'm a new creature in Christ. And what does that new creature look like? (sighs) Seated in Christ in heavenly places with all authority and power. Now when I begin to understand that, I begin to operate and I can walk like that. Now you will see the glory of the Lord. Christ in me, the hope of glory. What's the glory? The nature and the character of Christ being revealed in and through our lives. Not just an individual, a couple of individuals. Wow, we put them on TV. They, make, they do great miracles and, they, do, ooh, and people, they pray for the sick and they get healed. Imagine a community of believers. Imagine a church of believers amen shall we stand i can only imagine one day we're going to get such a revelation that we're going to clap for him and just not just not stop that's why i love 24 hours 24 hours it's just like it's way more than an hour or a little just want to clap want to celebrate want to say wow you blow my mind jesus you're just so amazing and and it's all you and not me. Are you re- Are you serious? Surely, it's got to do something. We so do people. Instead of being, we're doing. <laughs> and he's saying, be me. Please let me bless you. Let me love you. Let me give you. Let me do it for you. Amen. God, I can't, do, I can't handle this day. It's just depression and stuff that's just hitting me. Yes, I can't. I'll bow my knee. Thank you, God, that I'm dead. And I thank you that I'm, my present reality is I'm a new creature in Christ and Jesus now lives inside of me and he's my everything. My life is now his life. And just let you speak through me. Just let you do whatever you wanna do. Ha! Oh. So Father, I just thank you here today. Oh, Lord, this is not a one off little share a couple of things, yay, goosebumps, go away. This is, we need to meditate on the Word, Lord God, we need to drench ourselves. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come like rivers of living water. Come and flood us and fill us and just overwhelm us. And so I'm just asking now, Holy Spirit, that nothing that's divinely of you would fall to the ground and be lost or be eaten by the cares of this world or situations or circumstances. Don't let your experience dictate to you. Just let Jesus dictate to you. In the past, they listened to the prophets and all the books of the old. But now we just look to Jesus and let Jesus speak. Just Jesus, won't you come and speak, Jesus? Won't you come? Bring such revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, Lord God. we would would begin to see the hope of what you've called us to, Lord God. Lord, with our own strength and own abilities, we're never gonna reflect, we're gonna reflect very little glory. But with you living inside of us, with you shining through us, with you speaking, I believe we were born for such a time as this, Lord. I believe that you've got a generation, you've got a a remnant, a group of people, Lord God, that are tired of trying to do things with the old wineskin, Lord God. Tired of trying to get through life and living with the scraps and yes, God just, sure, yes, and he used the doctors and and he used this and he used that, yes, and we we managed to scrape out of it a couple of bruises. Man, that's not the word, Lord. The word paid a price so that we could live in the fullness of God. The word paid a price so that the answer to our prayers would bring such joy to the church, not answers to us, answers to Jesus inside of us, because He is perfect. God wants to answer our prayers, He wants us to live in the abundance and the lavishness so that we can shine forth his glory. Then the Bible, Father, and all the scriptures begin to make sense and begin to bring reality to the word. That the church became so attractive, the church became so powerful, that you didn't just dare join them, you didn't invite them to a service and try and show them all the ministries that you do and the things that you do and hey we take care of your kids and why don't you come and join us they didn't dare join them because they were you living actively breathing the presence the power and the fire of God you don't just join that it consumes you this isn't casual I believe there's a remnant of people, Father, that don't just want church and some religious way to tick a box, but actually they want you. They don't just want an answer to prayer and a quick fix and a good life. They want you. And no matter what the price, we want you, Lord. I want to just ask in your name so we get an answer. We want to ask in your name because we know your name. The name that's above every single name. a name that's worthy. A name that we can display with such splendor through our lives. That will give you glory, not us, Lord. Oh, no glory to man. but just glory to you. Not the doctors did it. Not yeah, he used this or used that. No, it was only God. Only God. Only God could have done this. Those guys, that community, they're anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power because God is with them. They just do good and heal all. Is it possible to heal all? Church, we can't heal all. But Jesus healed all, and Jesus is inside of us, and the Jesus inside of us can heal all. Lord, I pray, Father, as we reestablish our foundations and understanding, Lord God, I know it's a price. Do you know that the gospel is not complicated, but it's very hard. Do you know why it's very hard? Because Jesus needs to be first. God, I pray we make you first. I pray, Father, today, Lord God, first and foremost, we just make you first in our lives. That we bow that you are Lord and King. And when you first, then we seed it in you. And when you first, you do all that we need, Lord God. And when you first, Lord God, you've already blessed us with every blessing. Heavenly places. We're seated in those heavenly places to access those heavenly breasts, blessings. Bring them to earth to display your glory. Not for me, O oh Lord, but for you, O oh Lord. God, will you take this word? Will you make it rich? Will you develop it? Will you challenge it? Will you do all that you need to do in it so that it can be birthed through our lives, Lord God, so that we can be living, Word active word Lord God I just ask Holy Spirit that you would do all that I cannot do this morning bless your people Lord God they are such an amazing group of people I count it a privilege to be a father of such an amazing family Lord God I just thank you Lord Jesus that we are following an amazing shepherd who's going to lead us besides still waters green pastures matter what, wherever we go, we have such confidence because God is with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we ask this in the precious, wonderful, majestic, and beautiful name of Jesus. Oh, what you have inherited. We have an inherited, Lord. It's time to live in our inheritance, Jesus. So thank you this morning. Amen, amen. If you're needing prayer, please come and let us pray with you. Um, I, honestly, I have no problem standing in agreement with you and uh, standing on your behalf and going for victories. Please don't think anything that I shared today means you have to do anything on your own. We do this as family. We are brought together as family. We are the body of Christ. We represent Him as a body of believers. Amen. Otherwise, please have stay some tea and coffee and fellowship. Love you guys. Have a great week blessed. We look forward to the testimonies of all the things and the prayers that have been answered through the name of Jesus.